Hello, loony listeners out there. This is episode one of Into the Night, a Moon Knight podcast. I'm one of your personalities, Ray. I'm your other host, Connor, and we're back here this week to cover issue one of Jeff Lemire's, Greg Smallwood's, and Geordie Belair's most recent run on Moon Knight. We dive back into the past with Marvel Preview 21 by Doug Munch, Wilson Kavich, and Tom Palmer. So grab out your issues, sit back, relax, and get your conch on. If you were given the choice of having another personality, Connor, another additional personality to what you have now, and it could only be either Mark Spector, a mercenary, Stephen Grant, a millionaire or billionaire, and Jake Lockley, the cab driver. We're not going to include Moon Knight because, hey, I think we're... Yeah, I think we all want to be him. <laughs> um, but if you had one of those three to choose from, what would your other personality be? Oh, uh, I mean, I'd like to go Jake Lockley. I think, is he a pretty pretty good driver? Because I'm a pretty rubbish driver in real life. So <laughs> I, I think I'd take that skill the most. But, you know, he's got, he knows everyone on the street. He goes to yeah. a nice diner, gets around. Yeah. He's quite social, isn't he? Yeah, he's got Gina's diner. He knows uh, Crawley. Well, yeah, I think... Uh, you're right on the money. I would have picked Jake as well. Uh, I thought I would have thought Mark Spector's a bit too violent for my tendencies. Yeah. And uh, Stephen Grant, I think, you know, billionaire, but with wealth, you know, comes a lot of responsibility. I thought, nah. He's also a bit of a loner. Just, He's just... He's a bit of a loner. And you, and you have a bit of an entourage, I think, as well. You have hanger honours. So <laughs> uh, I reckon Jake Lockley would be, uh, would be the pick. So anyway, loonies, uh, we are back. Our official... Episode 1. Um, mm. Now, before we kind of kick off into some news, I just wanted to go back, uh, take a couple of steps back and include a couple of editorial notes uh, from Episode 0. Uh, we had um, a good time doing that, doing the history and the overview. Uh, it was quite an episode. Realist- we weren't quite expecting uh, the hour and a half mark. No, no, it was quite lengthy. It was cool, though. It was a lot of fun. Um, but I did find a couple of errors on my behalf. I'm sorry. So the first one was for Werewolf by Night number 32. I did say that um, Moon Knight was employed by the Secret Empire. Now, that is categorically wrong. <laughs> um, uh, I picked that up somewhere from some article. It, it really is the committee, and the committee are, are a different entity. Um, ah. to the Secret Empire. So, yeah, so sorry, apologies there, Connor. Um, I dropped the ball on that one. Uh, the, the other one was uh, was Anton Mogart. I believe I referred to him a few times as Midnight, when he's actually Midnight Man, and there's a distinction there um, between him and his son, Jeff Wilde, who is Midnight. So, yeah, just wanted to make the distinction there. Anton Mogart is Midnight Man, and Jeff Wilde was Midnight um, finally, I thought we'd nip it in the bud and go... Uh, what I did, I went to YouTube and I um, tried to get some confirmation on the pronunciation. So, so Connor, Charlie, what was his name? Huston? Houston? Yeah. Yeah, so in YouTube they call it uh, from the US, I don't know, new US way of pronouncing things. They, they have pronounced it Houston, so it's actually Ooh, Charlie okay. Houston. Yeah. Um, how about for Doug? What did you What did you reckon for Doug? Oh, I was thinking Monac, but I bet it's something fancy, fancier. Uh, 
It's not as fancy as I thought, actually. I, I called him Munch. Uh, I know there's Monch and Mench. Apparently, it's uh, pronounced Monch. So Monch? Oh. M and then dash O-H and then um, E-N-C-H. So Monch was his, Monch. is actually his, his pronunciation. And uh, finally, the big one, Bill... Uh, how, how would you pronounce that again, Connor? Do you say Simkavich? Sim... Yeah, yeah, I said Sinkevich. I think that was wrong again. <laughs> um, I think the Polish way is a, a Sinkevich, so it's a lot more um, just straightforward. There's no Shinkevich. emphasis. Yeah, uh, yeah, Sinkevich. So there you go. Um, a bit of editorial notes there. I'm, I'm, I'm so, sure I stuffed up a lot as well. Don't worry, listeners. No. I looked through, but I just uh, cried all my mistakes. So, you know, if, if, if you want to throw some shade at me for getting it wrong, just email at us. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we're contactable on many a platform. Uh, let's dive into the news, Connor. What, what have you got? All right, uh, look, so just a few sad tears at the fact we have no announcements still, and I don't really have anything. Um, I know one thing I have to fill up on is, mm-hmm. or catch up on, is his appearances in Deadpool Kills the Marvel Universe again. Apparently he's having not only an appearance, but a pretty well-written appearance from what I hear. Yeah, I I'm not following that. Are you following the the issues there? No, I, no? I didn't think it'd have any appeal. But it's got a Punisher, it's got a Kate Bishop, it's got Mister Knight running around doing detective work in it. So I think yeah. I might catch up on that and report back next week. It, it's sounding more and more intriguing. Actually, I yeah, similar to you, I had no inclination to to read it. Um, funny story though, the only the the thing that kind of me that kind of got me more into it actually was. I was uh, I was at the pet store just the other day. <laughs> Good um, start. Picking up some, yeah, yeah, picking up some fish, as you do. Uh, Connor knows that uh, I've been trying to start a, an aquarium uh, with my partner, and anyway, we're picking up some fish, and I was wearing a Deadpool cap. And as we were paying for the fish, um, the young girl at the counter, she goes, "Oh, is that a Deadpool cap that you got over there?" I felt very, I felt very chuffed. She's going, "Yep, of course, <laughs> you know, rep- represent another comic book fan." And she could not stop um, about how good Deadpool versus the rest of the Marvel Universe or kills the Marvel Universe again is. Wow. Yeah, and I was kind of like, oh, okay, and she, she swears by it. So I think we're going to have to both pick it up, Connor. Oh, yeah, for sure. Next week, we're on it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, yeah, look, it's been pretty lean as well, apart from um, exactly what you said. Uh, the only couple of threads I picked and I posted up on our Facebook group page was uh, some past alumni of, of Mood Night. So Greg Smallwood, who's a, one of the brilliant artists who we'll be talking about tonight in Lemire's issue one, um, he has got a new gig doing a bit of a Guardians of the Galaxy issue. Uh, and also uh, Jeff Lemire, again, who will feature tonight, uh, he and another artist, Miko Suyun, are doing Bloodshot Salvation. Very excited for that. Yeah, I mean, I guess these guys have projects everywhere, but I just wanted to highlight that those two are still kicking around, quite active. Um, Greg Smallwood appeared on uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, or New Guardians of the Galaxy, this week as well. Ah, right, yes. Uh, yes. Which is apparently also very good, and he drew uh, Drax uh, playing the sax in a cape. So, definitely worth the buy. I've got that on my pile somewhere, so I've got to Ooh. I've got to dig that out once I uh, once we finish this podcast. But that sounds awesome. Yeah. So um, other than that, uh, news wise, 
that's pretty much it. We're still, as Connor said, hanging out for Legacy. We'll let you know as soon as something comes in. We've both got our alerts switched on um, yeah. on our computers. So <laughs> as it comes through, uh, it will probably be posted on the Facebook page or, or Twitter. Um, but we'll get it out there to you as soon as we can. Um, All right, Connor. Ooh. Sorry? Uh, yeah, I was yep. just uh, going to walk into a bit of a topic. Uh, since, you know, all this got announced before we started, we have, for the Marvel Legacy announce- announcement mm-hmm. for Moon Knight, let me just find the exact thing. Moon Knight will be reverting to issue 188 with the new arc ah. called Crazy Runs in the Family. And we have ah. no idea of Ryder, whether that story arc means... Randall or some whole new family men- member or yeah, even true. if they're related are related but Ray with this story arc, what do you, you kind of want out of it what do you want on our new creative team what do you want coming out of this oh yeah yeah good question actually uh, it's uh it certainly does the title does tease a lot uh, and it could mean uh, many a thing as you say definitely Randall Spector's one of them uh it could you know it could even also mean um his father as well oh, uh, yeah. the rabbi uh, yeah, I'd, I'd like to, I think from past, um, the, the previous episode, I'd like to see a bit more of a supernatural spin brought back, mm. only only just as a point of difference, and you know, if we're keeping with the reset button every volume, it'll be great to just, you know, get that kind of werewolf thing happening, or even maybe a blade, dare I say, um, but uh, yeah, family, I, I, I'm, I'm hard pressed to think of uh, what that would mean, have, have you got any thoughts on that? Yeah, well, I mean, I instantly jumped to uh, Randall, but, I mean, I'm also kind of think- thinking a whole new family member, or even maybe, uh, like, Midnight would be classed mm-hmm. as family. Yeah, yeah, true. I got nothing yeah. bit... Yeah? Yeah, no, it, it's, um... Oh, I think there was speculation as well. Um, We were thinking, could there be, like, another family member, i.e. maybe a sister or a... Or a, or a niece that might take the mantle of Moon Knight. I mean, that could possibly be it. We could find a, a totally new family member um, and the opportunity that the Moon Knight legacy is kind of extended. I know the whole thing is bringing it back to, to Moon Knight, but actually Moon Knight is one of the characters that actually haven't been touched by any of these kind of legacy um, characters. Look at mm. Hawkeye, look at Captain America, look at Iron Man, Hulk. They've all, you know, they've all got legacy characters. So maybe it's time that Moon Knight... Uh, gets introduced to one. Yeah, well, and yeah, I mean, I'm I'm really not sure because half of this is kind Marvel Legacy's kind of tagline, as you know, it's half of the new stuff and half reverting to the classic. So mm-hmm. we've really got nothing to go on on what we're looking at. Yeah, where we're going, a... who's staying on. How about artists and writers? Who would you like to see? Well, uh, Rebecca one of our good friends and admin yes. on the group and constantly popping up and around. Um, we were talking uh, Iron about... Fist, uh, sorry, Iron Fist uh, um, expert. Yes. Check <laughs> out, she's on the podcast called Immortal Iron Fist, Sons yes. of the Dragon. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were talking about the new Black Bolt series coming out by um, Saladin Ahmed, is I think how you say uh, his yes. name. Yeah. And he put out... Um, uh, she was showing me a tweet he put out in June saying, you know, he's put in a um, sort of, what are they called? When you propose, a uh, proposal, there we go. Proposal. <laughs> <laughs> about a new, <laughs> a, 
a new ser- uh, new series he wanted to write at Marvel, and since we could be looking at um, Moon Knight, since he's not in the October solicitations, November or beyond, that'd be enough time to put out an issue. So I'd love to see Saladin Ahmed on um, Moon Knight because his current yeah. Black Bolt run is probably my favorite thing at Marvel at the moment, and he's such a he very much understands comic, despite this being his first comic book, and he's mm. got this really poetic and nuanced style for, you know, the really sort of tortured character of Black Bolt. And when yeah. I think of Moon Knight and that crash classic, I've already forgotten how to say <laughs> Who was it? Uh, Ishienkovich? No, no. Um, uh, Doug... Moan? Uh, Moanch. Moanch. Doug Moanch yeah. is one, and how... His sort of narration was very poetic and stolen. Seeing that in Black Bolt, mm-hmm. I think it'd be totally crazy to have him on that book and just what he could bring to that. Yeah, I'd, look, I'd, I'd say Jeebus, sign him up. He's great. I, I'm reading Black Bolt mm-hmm. as well, and I think it's very good. Um, Christian Ward, I think, is he, oh. is he the artist? Yeah. He's pretty awesome as well with the colorist. Is it Geordie Belair? Is it her again? No, it's I'm, his own coloring no. actually. He's on. Okay, well, that, he's he's hitting it out of the park with his coloring. Actually, that's yeah. It would be a very interesting take on Moon Knight. I think he's got that level of um, I don't know weirdness yeah. <laughs> that you'd want with Moon Knight. So they would probably be a very good team. I'd I'd be with you, Connor. There, I reckon that's pretty good. What about you, my friend? What are, what are you? Who are you seeing on this run? Oh yeah, uh, you know you can always get me to say Dave, David Finch to bring him back. He's he's just great. Uh, l- let me think. Who's who's the current artists? Um, maybe oh, look just with a bit of a Punisher connection. Maybe uh, Becky Cloonan on oh, um, writing. I haven't seen her art, but she's apparently an artist as well. I yeah, wonder, incredible artist. Um, Is she? Okay. She put out a trade back uh, last week called By Chance and Providence. Um, She's done a lot of stuff over at Dark Horse. Okay. Yeah, yeah no, no. Should, I'll, I'll be keen to. I mean, I haven't seen any of her art, but her writing uh, is quite quite good. Uh, yeah, just give her a go on, on art. I'm happy to. I'd be happy to see someone um, totally new or who you wouldn't expect to be on Moon Knight to give it a go. Yeah. Uh, yeah, totally open for all that. Um, except for yeah, except for maybe comedic writers. I think uh, I just have to yeah. say. I don't think that would really fit into his world. Yeah. Um, yeah, any any other points? Um, I mean, not really. It's all speculation game, but I think a point you brought back earlier about talking about um, uh, his father and being the rabbi, I think I would love to sort of see more of a reference to... I mean, obviously not make it like such a big thing at so forced, but seeing that sort of... Mm. Jewish ancestry back in Moon Knight. I always feel like yeah. that's a cool part of the character, you know, being a Jewish hero that's not really ever spoken about much in runs. Yeah, it was it was touched upon with the um, with the Lemire and Smallwood mm, run, which we'll get best. into in the later yeah in the later issues. But you're right, it hasn't really been touched upon. It's something that they can really kind of uh, explore, I guess, um, in the later later issues to come. Right. Well. How about we get cracking into it, Connor? Yeah, well, hopefully we'll have more news next week. We await every day for a new drop of information, whether it be Marvel, Netflix, or the new run. But um, yeah. solicitations usually drop in about, would probably drop about two weeks from today. So hopefully, if not next week, the week after we finally have some concrete information for... Oh, gosh. Yeah, 
we'll, we'll be quite spoilt. I mean, we've still got the Defenders on TV coming yeah. up. Uh, so we'll be quite engaged and busy with stuff anyway. Uh, but it'll be a great surprise to, to finally hear that, that news come out about Moon Knight Legacy. Yeah, well, we await every day. But I do believe it's time for some Lemire, Smord and Belair. Definitely. Yes, so loony listeners, if you're out there, if you want to even crack open your copy out and and uh, follow through with us, uh, we're just we're just going to go through this this issue. Uh, so uh, I've got it open up in front of me. As Connor said, number one, um, Moon Knight, Jeff Lemire, Greg Smallwood, Geordie Belair on colours. Uh, do you want to read out the the little blurb at the top, Connor? All right, here we go. Mercenary Mark Spector died in Egypt under a statue of the moon god Khonshu. In the shadow of the ancient deity, Mark returned to life and took on Khonshu's aspect to fight crime for his own redemption. He went completely insane and disappeared for a time, but returned to protect those who travel by night. At least he thinks that's what happened. Welcome to New Egypt, part one of five. Awesome. Awesome stuff. And what I find immediately, sorry, going back just to the, the cover... Um, we have the cover of, and immediately it's quite a, a strong and evocative yeah. cover. It's got basically a guy in a straitjacket uh, covering his face just haphazardly with a moon crescent on his forehead in a padded cell. The use of white we'll see later on is 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 so good. Uh, it's something that we tend to not really notice, but it comes to the fore in Moon Knight in particular. Yeah, and I think you can always just see off this cover what to expect from Smallwood and Belair, this very very realistic but stylized and this strong use of the white. Yeah, it's a, it's a great way to start things. So, if we go to page one, um, so we open up with a very different style of artwork from Greg Smallwood, um, and it begins with Mark kind of, it seems, in some sort of astral plane uh, we're not too sure but he's uh, it looks like where he was where he, he was actually at ground zero where uh, he became moon knight um, he kind of walks through and I'm just onto the second page here Connor uh, and uh, immediately I just wanted to say that Smallwood uh, I've heard as well he does say that he does spend a lot of time on the backgrounds and the foregrounds so not just the central figures and you can really see it here he's got what looks like a train station uh, that Mark enters in so he's outside it seems like a Khonshu temple he walks through and he's immediately what looks to be like a, a metro or a subway mm. uh, and the, the artwork is kind of scratchy I love this uh, yeah it's sort of mm. It sets you up for very much what become the tone of this first issue. It's really rough and just almost stylized, but almost comes across, especially when you see the later pages in this, unsure of itself. There's yes. something just very unclear and un, not so much undefined, but almost not uh, like crystal clear about what you're seeing yeah. on the screen. Totally. It's something that's slightly off-putting. It's great artwork, really nice to look at, but it's not clean, it's not crisp, it's not clear. It's kind of a bit, um, yeah, a bit spotty and, and sketchy everywhere. There's a... I specifically love here, actually, the uh, an unsung hero, um, Letterer VCs Corey Petit. Okay, yeah. I lo- um, there's a specific... If, if you're following along with this, just the way uh-huh. we actually see text guide us to where to go. You know, we see the That's words, true. I am here, come just a little further here. Yeah. 
as a reference, but how it's positioned on the page from traveling down the first panel to being in the doorway of the second panel, there's just this very yes. clear line of direction to follow. It's genius. It's, it really does. It just draws your eye. It's it's a way to manipulate the reader, really, and, it, and it's a lot in the layouts here as well. The panels themselves have uh, almost... Uh, there's a, a lot of white behind the panels, so these panels stick out, but they kind of kind of shrink down. They get smaller and smaller until you're at the bottom where Mark's kind of clutching his, his stomach. He's going through this place that he's got no idea what's happening, um, and he comes through. And then you have basically total stark white uh, still in the sketchy pattern and you've got the introduction of Conchu very prominent shot too between the legs of just this calculating man with his hands over his legs yeah definitely it, it frames him really well I think um, uh, considering that there are no panels in this page at all it's just basically a white space uh, so Mark's legs are used as, as a frame and you definitely see, well, there's Conchu sitting back, quite reclined um, and relaxed. So he's got some sort of position of power and Mark's kneeling in front of him. Uh, and he says basically, uh, you are nothing, not anymore. Uh, so he's basically putting Mark in his place, I think. Yeah, sort of a, not only a sort of, uh, you're nothing without me, but you've lost every aspect of not that sort of aspect, but every part of Moonlight, he's sort of he's sort of lost now. He must relearn and regain that title. Yeah, and it says it in that last uh, last bubble. But before you can become something new, you must remember who you have already been. So Mark is searching searching for something, um, uh, and Conchu's kind of kind of guiding him. And then you get this beautiful splash page. The first it, it didn't last long before we got one. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, and it's reminiscent of Connor. We were we were talking to a a fellow loony in the loony bin, our chat room. His name was Paul, and he showed us a Bill Shenkovich montage of Mark Spector and all the different personalities he had. And this kind of reminded me of that. Yeah, very much. So it's sort of a it, it's a very prominent like remembering who you are, drawing us to back to Jake Lockley, Stephen Grant, and Mr. Mark, the previous one, which is a, mm-hmm. I think a direct panel from the very famous issue five of the Ellis part of the run. Ah, nice pickup. Yeah, right. Yeah, and it's uh, and then at the bottom you have Mark, so you have this kind of it looks like a dream cloud basically all coming from his head, uh, and then you have the clean, crisp look of Mark at the bottom screaming. So he. He's obviously kind of remembering something after his uh, illusion. And then we go to the next page, and we get a different art style altogether. And this is what will become very much then the main art style of the book, as much as a main art style that you'll see this run will have. Mm-hmm. And it's just, there's already this stark use of what white. It's almost like chalk, the way that Smallwood draws it, and then... Belair is able to give it such depth almost as it, as you're looking at a chalk drawing on the sidewalk in front of you it's yeah. so popping and catching yeah definitely and it's you can see the kind of the first bit of this issue was ended so we were in that scratchy um, other world and where Mark's trying to figure out what's going on and we know very very well, we know for certain that we are now kind of in a reality um, apostrophes you know um, so the panel again, I think, is the layout's quite weird. You, you get Smallwood using kind of like an uh, 
a magnification. So he's got the little yeah. circle around Mark's head and then a close-up, which he uses later on in the issue as well. I think it's a, a nice little tool. Uh, and then you get an introduction of, uh, we know, okay, he's in some sort of hospital or some sort of ward because we get two guys, uh, uh, what's his name, Bill and Bobby, I yep. think, uh, and they look pretty colourful. Now, did you, I mean, no spoilers because, you know, this is an old series, did you pick these guys up anywhere else, Connor, later on, or...? No, I, I never no. picked up on them, but I, I think, you know, they're very much kind of um, that era of black exploitation look of... Um, yeah, with black yeah. I think it's a very much a callback to the era of Moon Nuts from the 80s, the late 70s, sort of how... Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. No, for sure, because we got, we got dodgy moustaches, we got a little comb in the afro there, and the other guy, I think that's uh, Billy, yep. he's got a, a nice little mullet. <laughs> <laughs> so uh so anyway yeah so they um basically they hear mark scream and they come in going basically what's wrong um keep quiet you're disturbing the the, the neighbors uh and uh mark talks back in, in which case bobby just gives him a a slap or a punch in the face direct whap a direct whap yes yeah, so the first sound uh sound word that we we get <laughs> uh so yeah they basically continue beating up on him uh, and they're a bit, almost a bit of a comedic duo. Uh, I think even with the alliteration, Billy and Bobby, they call each other. They always dress, address each other. Uh, and they basically make hell for Mark. Uh, they sedate him. And you can see at the bottom panel, uh, as Bobby takes out the needle, again, the little circle and a magnified circle to show exactly what it is that he was doing. Which and is so preparing. Hmm? Sorry? No, I'll just let you finish. Oh, no, which was, he's preparing a syringe. Yeah, and we sort of, well, what I was getting here is we see very much the the draw and the setup of this issue. Uh-huh. Mark Spector, the Moon Knight, is now a, a crazed man to asylum. Has he always been a crazed man? Mm. Well, yeah, I mean, it was still kind of, yeah, I mean, after after what was a previous run, um, the the Ellison and the Mr. Knight stuff. So we had a little break, and all of a sudden he's here, right? So we don't. I think there's still questions as to what, yeah, what's happening. Like we don't, um, we don't get too much on, too much on the Moon Knight yet, which we'll get later with uh, Emmett, the Doctor. But yeah. anyway, they 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 um, they prick him with a needle. Again, great colours there. Look, I love his mouth, uh, bloodied mouth. Yeah. You can see his teeth is bloodied as well. Great, uh, great perspective from Smallwood. And then, yeah, the change of perspective. So, as you can see, the angle goes up towards Billy and Bobby now as Mark kind of drifts away, and you have the panels sinking into oblivion. This is just the incredible panel work you can expect. It is. And I think this is such an important part of the story, just the way all these visual clues you see of how much of a different world or almost maybe reality for Mark it is. You know, we see immediately the hero is in his regular identity, beaten, all, he's always framed to be below these two attackers. The Conchu pleases are uh, rejected by a Conchu. Who the hell is a Conchu? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's just something I picked up here, Connor. Uh, his eyebrow, left eyebrow. I'm glad to see he still has a scar. Oh. So Mark Spector has, uh, in the previous volumes, well, it's kind of on and off, but he's generally been considered to have a little scar between his eyebrow. Um, so it's good that Smallwood kind of retains that um, the little identity for Mark. So he disappears into blackness, and then the next page is again great. Like when I first read this, uh, this is the first time I saw panels kind of organised like this, Connor. 
where it's like it's literally an exclamation mark yeah. um, and you see Mark slowly waking up uh, and he sees his tormentors Billy and Bob above him and you see him in this I really love the backgrounds as well everything is, is hard and cold he's got some um, tiles some crack walls and he's in this just room on a hard steel table and they obviously put something in his mouth and they zap him uh, yeah. a bit of shock therapy and yeah, it's. I just like what you said before about that cold room, the cracked. It's such immediately visual storytelling that a yeah. speech bubble that this isn't a nice place. Yeah, it's it's really great. Whereas you get a lot of artists who, for d- different reasons, uh, they lay emphasis um, on different things in the layouts, and most often than not, it's the the main, the central figure, right? They they pour all their detail into the face, or you know whatever. With Greg Smallwood, he takes a lot of time with the backgrounds, and I think it really pays off because we're really set with an atmosphere here. We've got the the wardens, we've got shock therapy, um, and and the fact that he's in this sort of room uh, really tells a story. So he gets zapped, basically. Uh, there's a bit of a he gets what uh, about a third of the page, the next page with a big zzzz. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So that kind of really amplifies. Um, I guess the magnitude of what's happened to him. Yeah, it's and it, very yeah. clear from like the small panels building up to an exclamation mark and the sudden page. And yeah, just, yeah, one third, just this pain of spectre. Yeah, it, it's literally a jolt to the reader as well. Like we're kind of like, oh, you turn the page, it's like, oh, okay, he's he's not enjoying himself. <laughs> that, that's always uh-huh. been a thing I admired with um, Jeff Lemire. Actually, I read his Bloodshot Reborn recently, which oh, yeah. starts off with an arc, two arcs. It's very psychological thriller and the way he's actually able to almost scare or jump the reader by having these very quiet pages before like in bloodshot it was like a very quiet page investigating and the next was a full page spread with someone coming out of the woodworks to attack yeah right yeah that's that's really it's a really nice tool um and i think he's picked a good artist here with greg smallwood doing the uh look i wonder how much is is Lemire's instructions for the layouts and as much as Smallwood's input as to how he'd like to lay out as well. It'd be very interesting to know. Yeah. Well, um, actually, going back to Bloodshot, there was a very um, mm-hmm. clear little write-up I remember on the third arc of that book, The Analog Man, with um, Lewis oh, with, uh Oh, yes, yes. The Analog Man. Awesome artist, awesome artist. La Rosa, that's it. Yeah. Um, he was talking about, you know... When he when Lemire is working with the artist, the way Lemire writes is very step by step. He wants every panel of the page, every action to be step by step. That's how he thinks creatively. And oh. no matter how good or bad the artist is working with, what makes the artist he's working with gel so well is how they yeah. understand how to go step by step. He was talking about oh. how La Rosa did La Rosa did yeah. that. Someone please pull me up. I'm saying that wrong. I'm that <laughs> with my own notes. <laughs> um, and we're yeah we're seeing, and I think we're seeing this again with Smallwood, just how much they gelled with understanding. You know, maybe Lemire left smaller notes for the the panels and just left the writing, but Smallwood was able to pick up that piece by piece piecing, mm. step by step, and just creating this incredible comic. Yeah, I mean, there's also the other direction. You know, as you say, it might be from Lemire, but the the concentration on Mark's eyes, which which comes time and time and again, time and time again. Uh, and on this page, you see him kind of blacking out, um, 
and and there's a, there's almost a, a cyclical thing because towards the end you see his eyes in that last issue kind of where it's it's very clear you know so yeah. we start off with him being very hazy uh, in the final issue down the track issue 14 he's got a purpose and he knows where he's going and there's a shot of two of his eyes and it's, it's quite determined and and quite focused so yeah I, i'm sure that's yeah that's probably lemire um yes yeah and as we jump to the next page you're almost getting this very clear repetition of the fading to black and cutting dramatically to the next bit. Yes. it's almost as a as a movie you could picture it is, this yeah. as like draining and then the sudden shock with the cut yeah very movie like and uh, so here again, again talking with the eyes, you see his eyes obviously a bit sedated or he's been beaten and uh, he's a bit dazed. Uh, and I just wanted to talk about this, this second third of the, the page. Uh, again, what I was reiterating before about just the, the attention to detail for the background and for the interiors um, for this mental hospital. Because if you think of like the TV show like Legion or even the mm. old classics like One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, there's always like a, a retro, maybe even 70s tinge to the interiors to, to mental institutions. I don't know why it is, but it seems to be the, the trope. Um, over here, though, what we got is a continuation of what seems to be an underground or a railway of some sorts. Yeah, like no right. Yeah, no windows, high ceilings, um, and then you've got the, the steel columns, um, yeah, so I, I kind of linked that with what we saw earlier in the in the first couple of pages, where he steps through the Konshu Temple and he goes into what looks like a train station. So yeah, I I just thought that was uh, that was interesting to note. Yeah, and we see that very much that sort of unease and mm. just everything you know, TVs locked up behind a steel cage. Yeah, every crack yeah. is so significant. Yeah, and those uh those secondary doorways or archways have been bricked up as well. So there's only one particular door right in the centre. Really, really nice. Um, and, and you can see to the left, we're starting to see other characters that we may recognise. Um, just need to get some fresh coffee on, fire up the grill, and we are all set to open. So who do you reckon that is, Connor? I think that's very much Gina from that's our favourite Gina's Diner. Very much Gina's Diner. Uh, and so as readers, we're wondering, what is she doing here? Hang on, isn't Mark the only one that's crazy? So a lot of questions are starting to be asked. Uh, and there's still a level of what the hell is going what the hell is going on basically, which actually lasts for a few issues, I think. But um, uh, the next page, uh, you get a, you get a nice contrast between Gina sitting in the chair, looking a bit a bit out of it, with this other reality in where she does have a diner and she's serving Jake Lockley. And yeah, was and you know as. Obviously, we're seeing a flashback to what um, Mark is thinking. It returns to that very sketchy, unsure look of the page. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's actually it's uh, triggering something in his head um, just by seeing her. So, in some distant memory, uh, and then he at the bottom page, he kind of at the bottom of the page, he kind of hears something on the TV, and this is what kind of really steers you away even further as a reader we hear on the tv on the news that there's this moon knight character out and about he's quite successful and he's out on the streets um you know patrolling patrolling the streets and and taking on criminals and again we're thinking hang on isn't mark specter moon knight there's a few questions happening yeah and oh yeah i can't even add much more to that 
We, we see a little stained glass scarlet there as well. Um, it's a nice little callback to one of his his rogues galleries on the um, on the far right there. And at the bottom, we see another character which we should be familiar with, which a, is um, a good friend, right? Crawley. Good friend Crawley. <laughs> He's one of my faves. I love his jacket, by the way. Yeah. Know... <laughs> Sorry, go on. I was just saying, as we move to the next page, I think that very colourful patchwork is just... this just, again, set up of this incredible visual style. You know, everything is seen so far has been so very cold and um, totalitarian, just being pushed down. And here's yeah. someone telling him to think differently and act differently and we see that just like visually told through that colourful vest. Yeah, and I, I reckon it kind of sums up Crawley in the <laughs> sense that yeah, it's it just that the fact that uh, he's kind of kind of disregarded, like he's seen as kind of harmless and he's just a bit mm. he's just a bit crazy and loopy himself so he can get away with, you know not wearing regulation uh, <laughs> uh, white, you know, white slacks he is wearing it but he's wearing this technically there technically coloured jacket over him so it's kind of like he's almost like a bit of a fool you know and they let him they give him a bit of a longer leash because you know he's not going to cause any any major problem yeah. but he introduces yeah he, so he introduces himself to Mark and uh, basically again we get a little snippet of Mark um, remembering what may be a past life or, or real life um, and Crawley's actually again Crawley's the one that seems to know more than anyone else mm. um, and I like that fact because as mentioned he's a bit of a, a fool and sometimes fools do do know a bit more than they should uh, in, in classic literature you look at it a lot um, and he shows Mark and says Mark you should be basically the fist of Conchu and we get the nice little circles again showing what Mark should be doing with his hand very important setup there the fist of Conchu Exactly. And then we get Billy and Bobby coming in to ruin the party. So they've seen, obviously, a bit of conspiring or, or just a bit of conversation between Mark and, and Crawley, and they're, you know, I think they're just basically bullies, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure why these two are allowed to run around in this railway <laughs> asylum. Yeah, I, I don't think they pick up on what Crawley's trying to um, elucidate to Mark. I think they just want to pick on Mark, basically. Get the... Oh, not quite the new guy to understand. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, just get the uh, the favourite punching bag to understand. So um, so they, they lead him away, and he catches a glimpse of a blonde-haired woman sitting, again, looking dazed. But as we cut to another yet sketchy vision of the past. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that could only be Marlene, really. And he says, he, he picks it up. There you, there you go, Marlene, he says. Um, but they push him on. And I think we see that sort of... I love the use of white here as we almost see the these panels move across from one side of the page to another in this very flowing way as the white spaces yeah. cover both sides. I think so, definitely as well. And if you look at the position of Mark, uh, where he's at the top, and he's kind of led from, you could say from central to, to the right. Oh, so, totally, yeah. Yeah, so it's kind of, we're led to kind of follow that movement as well. Although Marlene's in the foreground at the bottom panel. Um, yeah, so there's a nice little subtle movement, I think. I, I, I love sort of this duality here, especially you have a very sort of 
saddened days, Marlene, that brings a big revelation to Spectre and the other half of the panel. It's got Loverboy yeah. being pushed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a, yeah, it's a good contrast actually. Um, and then so Mark gets pushed into the office of Doctor Emmett. Very important. Very important. Uh, and again, look at her office, Connor. Isn't that isn't that a great office you want to be in? Yeah. <laughs> Why is she in this railway asylum? Yeah, she's only got like a, a timber desk, a timber visitor chair, and everything else is concrete. Uh, and brick. It's pretty depressing, but she's there to tell Mark. Um, basically, come on, Mark, you pull yourself together. Um, you seem to be causing a lot of trouble. Uh, Mark is again questioning what is happening because he's he's remembering he's remembering Crawley and and a, I'm not sure, a little bit of Gina and a little bit of Marlene. So Doctor Emmett has to kind of, I guess, kind of uh, reiterate that everything is an elaborate delusion. Um, how he had been creating this fantasy in his head for a long time. Uh, and she pulls out some evidence, which then shows that he's been in the institution for since he was 12 years old. And, uh, yeah, we basically have Mark's scrapbook of uh, how he loves, I guess, he was a bit of a Moon Knight fan, just like us. Yeah, I mean... Oh... I mean, what a page. This is the page where it all sort of comes together and we see that, you know, the the setup of this issue, that this may actually be reality. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, a, li- a little note as well, those sketches, I think apparently were Jeff Lemire's, so he actually drew oh, those really? sketches. Yeah, yeah, so he... Uh, he sorry? I was just going to say, in the picture of Moon Knight down the bottom is a very famous pose of Moon Knight, oh, the yes. first volume. Yes, yeah, true. Yeah, I think um, yeah. So I think Lemire technically has has drawn some Moon Knight. Even the even the little picture above it, Connor. I think with uh, Jake Lockley, you can just see in Moon Knight's face there. I think it might have been modelled after uh, Shienkovich's artwork as well. Incredible! What a man! What a man! Yeah, Lemire. What a man! <laughs> so yeah, she, so she's basically buried the hatchet in Mark's dreams. Uh, you can see there she stands up. He's kind of head in hand. <laughs> um, but I like this little clever thing here. Did you? I mean, you did you pick this up as well, Connor? I, I don't think I picked this up first um, with the pen. Oh no, that's really yeah, quite so, clever. That we'll see come across. Yeah. So he kind of you see while she's you know harping on her monologue, um, he's kind of looking at the pen, uh, telling uh, basically let help me help you um, kind of speech. Uh, and we see her back turned with a pen, and when she turns around, the pen's gone. Mm. So Mark's not totally um, submissive. And just a few more points on this page. Uh, that image actually is a reversed of the Lemire one I was talking about at the bottom of the pe- previous page. is a reversed uh, like mm-hmm. version of cover 23 of the, the original run, volume 1. Oh, right, right. The, yeah, yeah. Um, and also, this is uh, the thing I was talking about with the whole step-by-step. Step. We'll go mm-hmm. back to the next page, and this one you see just how every step, every clear movement of this page is designed to work with the audience, you know, the very specific movement of putting the hand on the desk, the ah, quick right. then cut to the face, flipping of the page, the focus on spectrum, just, it just clicks as you move. This, No matter the text, no matter how big the issue, it's such an almost an easy read just because you can follow it so cinematically 
Yeah, yeah, no, that's a good point. It's uh, it's very well thought out. It's not just like, you know, this is a this is a screenshot of or you know what we want to do. The way that the the layouts kind of work together is uh, an art, you know, an art in itself, and it's something that you don't see in film because it's a kinetic yeah. uh, image. Um, but in in comics, I think it's great because you can really appreciate uh, this other level of uh, of art, which is just laying things out properly. Um, actually, an important fact we haven't mentioned yet mm-hmm. is that Mark Spector has probably never looked more attractive than in this <laughs> book. And there's a very specific reason that oh, yes. we found out towards the end of this run that mm-hmm. Mark Spector is actually drawn by uh, Greg Smallwood doing poses of himself to what Mark would be doing. So the very obvious facial expression here in mm-hmm. the middle panel of the page of, what is it, roughly page was 20, 21? 20, yeah. Yeah, would probably have been him looking in the mirror and doing it himself. Yeah, yeah, which is not uncommon for a lot of artists yeah. as well. But uh, yeah, th- th- I found that a fantastic fact. Um, again, kind of just learning about comics in general. Uh, you, me, and Rebecca kind of talked about it. It was really such a, f- a funny, I don't know, just a funny thing for them to do. But it makes sense because you've got a, a total reference that you can actually draw from, um, and you have, you know, you have uh, artists like Greg Land who notoriously uses other images of people's faces and, and such and poses um, in his artworks. You have artists themselves using using themselves as models, which, mm. is, which is really good. Even, look, who knows, even like this Dr. Emmett and Marlene, Marlene, they might be all modelled after someone as well. Yeah. Is it Emmett's the prior? I, I feel like she's new, but I can't be sure. Yeah, I think she's, I think she's new. I haven't come across her before, actually, uh, and I think it's a, a new character introduced by Lemire. Again, editorial notes the following episode if I'm totally wrong <laughs> but but I believe she is new yeah ah uh, yep just check the Marvel Wiki Dr. Emmett first appearance ah lovely oh, it's good to good to be right every now and again Connor <laughs> small win for the podcast <laughs> yeah small win um, so we move across uh, obviously he's been mentally beaten down by Emmett and he's back in his cell Geordie Belair does great work here with minimal colours Again, white to the forefront, but he's in a darkened cell, so predominantly you get almost like a blue-gray um, on his on his skin. Uh, but the only other piece of colour sticking out right in the middle of the panel of, of the page is the red pen that we saw went missing. Mm. So you can see Mark having a, an internal dialogue with what appears to be Conchu, or what we we will assume is Conchu now because it's the black bubble and the. Um, almost hieroglyphic text uh, and basically what is it saying it says that um, he, he, is basically saying look you stole the pen so you you really believe deep in your heart that where you are now is not right um, so it's kind of a struggle that that is trying to make Mark think that you know don't listen to Emmett there's something more to it mm. and I love if I'll just talk about my love like an the ever-living hype machine that I am, who won't shut up. <laughs> that, um, the blues here, I love how we see the setup by Blair to show that this is a conversation with Conchu, something very otherworldly in this kind of grounded, cold, sterile, and we see this blue coming in, and we see the white, but the red, something so important in the plot, in this reality, mm. as we so to yep. speak, is red and distinct. Yes. Yeah, no, definitely. Red also um, 
synonymous with Dr. Emmett as well. Red hair, uh, red, red dress. The so, stained yeah. scarlet. Stained scarlet. Yeah, so we link we link all these. Ooh, good point there. Mm-hmm. Possibly. Possibly a connection. Um, so anyway, so again, we, we turn the page. Uh, so Mark's decided, okay, he will do something about it. We turn the page and bang, the blues and the dark greys are all gone. And we're back to quite a bright um, colouring here. Uh, bright and white with Billy and Bobby playing fish uh, and they hear a, a large oh, a loud scream uh, and only only a few well, more red yes uh, a loud scream but only uh, little clues given so <laughs> in between the top panel and the middle panel there's just a little bit of bit of, bit of line work and then between the second and third you see what is Mark's hand and the red pen doing something so we don't know but there's a big scream and uh, these guys come out and see what's happening and then we're introduced to the next page. Mm-hmm. Running in from the previous one, giving I'll give him something to choke on. The yeah, screen right. turned white of the didn't we tell you? Yeah. To the big massive one third of the page, Mark Spector dressed yeah. up in a makeshift uh, Moon Knight costume. Nothing. Just wanted to and get that's your attention. It, yeah, and that is a that's a quite a scary costume, like a totally makeshift. You've got a, a crazy guy, basically. What he's done, he's wrapped a bedsheet around his neck, uh, he's wrapped his wrists, and he's got this freakish mask, and all you can see are the whites of his eyes coming through it. Uh, and what we learn from this, from Mark's dialogue, is that when he puts this mask on, he actually sees the truth. And so as a reader, you look down, and Billy and Bobby have turned into what looked to be... Um, Egyptian guard dogs. I yeah, don't know what, what yeah, the term is Anubis looking looking peeps. I don't know. Yeah, what what are they? What did he call them? Oh, that's that's just the face of um Anubis, the Egyptian. Oh yes, guard. yes, a jackal. Yeah, I think the jackals. Yeah, they're definitely jackals, and that that kind of aligns with their character. So he's got this mask on, and he sees them as jackals, and then. Next page, wham, we get a nice splash page again. Uh, a bit more colour, but a lot of action here, Connor. What do you think of the layout here? I think oh, it's so frantic like a fight would be. <laughs> Sorry. And just, you know, managing to fit a full issue and condense this mm. fight scene to one page with all these panels is just crazy impressive, and it's such a frantic jump between panels. There's no sequence. There's no yeah. almost clear way of moving through these swings yeah I, I yeah i think it promotes that chaos and totally agree with you this this condensation of of a fight scene whereas you know a typical comic will go over a few pages you know highlighting in weird and dynamic angles the actual fight you know with with punches and kicks you just get a clutter of it here um so it's basically a page of mark kicking ass um and you see at the top mark uh about to wield his fist and you basically get a lot of chaos in the middle, and at the end, you basically get the result. You get one of the the jackals or the wards just knocked out. Seeing that bl- bloodied mouth like we were talking about before. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, I like that effect. Actually, it's uh, really good, uh, and even Mark's crazy eye there. Um, so y- yeah, this page is just filled with kicks and punches, but it's all kind of muddled in together. Uh, the next page again. So Mark's obviously beaten his way out of his room. Uh, and he's and again th- there's a level of tension and and excitement here so we move back um to the layout of the exclamation mark so again we yeah. saw that previously another uh, big me neither another big revelation with the 
dotting Mark's eyes between the marks. Mm. Something more clear, as you can see here, from when we saw him before. Yeah, definitely. So it seems with the mask on that he's got a bit more clarity or he, he's a bit more comfortable with what he sees. Uh, and just again, the red as he goes down the corridor, goes into the fire exit and up the stairs, the use of red, I think, again, highlights uh, some sort of danger. Um, you know, that he's, you know, he's obviously in a position that he's running away from something. So again, it, it ties into Dr. Emmett. Dr. Emmett being, you could almost think, uh, the mastermind of this yeah, whole the- thing. Head honcho. Yeah. So he, he finds his way up to what appears to be the top of the roof. And what do we see here, Connor? Oh, what a splash page. <laughs> Just what a splash page. Our small and almost insignificant in the bottom left-hand corner to a sand-swept, destroyed pyramid-in-the-background-controlled version of uh, New York. Look at the detail of these buildings. Is it just? It's fantastic. Like again, Smallwood just using his attention to detail. Look, surely, surely he must have been dedicated to Moon Knight around this time. He's there's no way that he would have been able to do other issues, you know, and oh, being yeah. bogged down with work because he's just really, really to the you know to the fenestration and the, the windows of all the buildings. It's just and it really adds to it. Um, and I think this detail again, I'll harp, harp about it. This detail, contrasted to the whiteness of Mark, uh, it, it it just really works. Um, and so you get some I don't know what gargoyles of uh, Anubis uh, flying around. I don't know what they are. It's all a bit chaotic. Actually, yeah. and I thought that was the last page, but it isn't. <laughs> and then, bam! This yeah, fifteen panel mm. grid page. That's weird. Like, it just goes from that weird, the big, awesome splash page, and then it's cut up into 15 equally sized panels. Step um, by step, baby. Step by step. Yeah, what do you reckon? Do you reckon he's trying to slow us down or something? Or Yeah, I think very yeah. deliberate fitness into the word limit. But also, I mean, not the page limit, but even not that. I think that this is very specific, allowed to give us focus, you know. We mm-hmm. need to focus on the moon here. We need uh, to focus yeah, on the car. Covered yes. in sand to show the world. That's true. He's looking at particular things, so he's he is actually taking it all in. Because yeah, I found it again. It's it's a use of contrast, um, but I found it really didn't. It doesn't lead your eye, but it kind of does in a way, in the sense that you are focused on each square as you go down. Yeah. You know, so um, that's really good. So as he as he's kind of looking and taking this all in, he hears something. He turns around. And then we have the jackals at him again, the jackals slash ward on top of the roof. Um, so Mark <laughs> curses himself <laughs> and subsequently gets tackled and he gets beaten by them. With um, Poncho's reprimand. Yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, I expected more, my son, with a big sigh. And that, isn't that a disappointment? <laughs> so they rip his mask off. And Mark specifically says, oh, my mask, give me back my mask. I can't see your faces anymore. And that just reiterates what we mentioned earlier. And as he turns around without the mask, they're back to being the wards that they are. With their coloured sneakers that he kind of saw in the last panel. Yeah, I love pr- these jackals in <laughs> red and orange sneakers. Oh, well, you know, if you've got to wear white all day, you've got to, <laughs> you've got to show some flair somewhere. <laughs> so, yeah, definitely. Uh, I wonder if there are uh, Nikes or Reeboks. <laughs> you know, who knows? Is there a sponsorship coming up in the next issues? 
Yeah, yeah, that'd be uh, that'd be interesting. Oh god, I hope they don't introduce sponsors. Otherwise, we'd be seeing, my gosh, apples and, <laughs> and Nikes everywhere. So they beat him basically, take his mask, um, and they say, "Look, there's nothing to see here." And Mark looks up, and again, that's got to be a spitting image of Greg Smallwood. <laughs> oh yeah, in the middle, and then you get this beautiful skyline, and Geordie Belair brings the colors i love the yellows and 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 you know a little bit of the white in the in the city to show like the nighttime and the dusk uh and then it's just normal new york city right yeah what's happening is is this the truth is it the other truth we're going crazy so many many questions last page they kind of escort him back there's a new color to the to the text uh so is this? Are yeah. we to believe this is a different mark now? Is he? Is he? Has he developed? I guess because he goes. I know what I saw. I know. Conchu, can't you help me? Conchu, speak to me. But it's in blue. So yeah. Yeah, I'm we never sure. see that black return of the speaking and of Conchu in a very important focus on the drawing from the text uh, from yeah. his scrapbooks. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So again, it ends with a, a nice little fade in of uh of panels they kind of disappear the top the top third uh no panels just the figures uh then you get the full width panel showing mark looking over his shoulder still a bit unsure what what the hell is happening uh and then the panels uh reduce slightly and you're left with mark questioning <laughs> did it all happen and that ends our first issue oh what a run just I mean, having read the entire thing, I think this is what I could call a perfect run. Just as we'll yeah. go through, you'll hear nothing but praise for what I consider a pretty flawless oh. book. Yeah, I think I mentioned to you uh, off-air as well a bit earlier, like, I could just reread oh, this yeah. first issue as well. It's just, there's so much to pick up, uh, and it's just so gorgeous art. The writing is awesome, and just the layouts are, are fantastic. And just questions, questions upon questions, a great way to start off a series. Very Lemire. Just very, questions. Very Lemire. <laughs> so, I mean, that was a wrap-up of our first issue for Jeff Lemire. We have a, a second issue to look through. This is Marvel Preview number 21. It was, I think, the year... Oh, my gosh. I 1980. The spring of 1980. Ah. Of course. Would you say a month before the first issue of the original 1980 run? That's right, yeah. We were trying to actually place the timeline of this story, so Marvel preview number 21. We're trying to place this with uh, the first issue of uh, Moon Knight Volume 1. And I reckon it falls in between, or basically smack bang, in the middle of Moon Knight number 1. Um, the only reason I say that is uh, the moon copter... <laughs> in this issue, compared to the moon copter in the second half of Mark uh, of Moon Knight issue one, uh, is a bit of an older model. So it would have to fall in that in that kind of space. So um, issue twenty one, it's got a little blurb at the beginning <clears throat> as well. Under many guises, does the man known as Moon Knight probe the dark secrets of the night, as cabbie, millionaire, and mercenary? Who he truly is, no one can say though all who cross his path know him as a figure to be respected and feared, Moon Knight. So this is an older version, or older iteration of Moon Knight, uh, and uh, yeah, Connor, um, I'll, let, I'll, I'll let you uh, begin here. <laughs> Alright, um, actually it was just a quick, bit of, uh, quick little thing I have with my mm-hmm. issue, I'm not sure whether you get it in your epic collection of um, 
the full phase little discussion by an editor. Oh yes, yes. Um, that's right. Yeah, good, good, good. Um, good pickup. I just yeah. yeah, just wanted to call back to that. This was obvious, a very sort of obvious send off before we got our first run of Moon Knight, and it, it, it's a very mm-hmm. interesting sort of uh, write up about this editor and how he saw Moon Knight grow and sending him off. Yeah, Ralph Macchio, not not the Karate Kid, but uh, <laughs> the the other Ralph Macchio. Yeah, definitely. He was it was a great write up actually. I, I I was reading that earlier on. Uh, he mentions makes mention that uh, you know although Doug Monch and Doug Perlin were the creators, he kind of felt an affinity to the character. Uh, he was the editor of the 1978 Hulk magazine, and he was looking for a backup story and a backup character to kind of contrast with the Hulk. So it was a bit of, it was a bit more of a marketing ploy. He wanted fans of the Hulk to be exposed to a different genre of comic and vice versa. So uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Connor. He said he was looking at um, Sheena, I think Sheena the She Devil. Yeah, uh, that's the one. One of the comics and the Submariner as potential secondary characters. But he uh, Moon Knight fell on his lap, and he thought, okay, we might as well uh, might as well use this guy. And we're glad he did. Yeah, yeah. Um, he also makes mention as well, just from um, from memory, uh, it wasn't actually again an editorial note. It wasn't Bill Sienkiewicz who who instigated the Moon Knight cape. It was uh, Paddy Greer and another person. I can't remember the name. Uh, um, Mark Grunwald. Ah, Mark Grunwald. Yeah, they were the ones that wanted to change the cape of Moon Knight, thinking that the original cape attached to the wrists kind of looked. A bit dodgy. It was practical, but it didn't have that kind of superhero-y thing. So they went for a naturally flowing cape. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, from that, Moon Knight kind of kind of evolved. And yeah, this is um, this this issue is sort of where um, sorry, where um, we see um. Launch, uh, launch us into the new era from that old magazine style to what he learned from Hulk magazine and the mm-hmm. previews into what would become his full fledged run. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's quite a quite a nice uh, evolution of the character already from 1975 to 1980. So I think we better launch on in. Yeah. So we open on our very first page with a little bit of a prologue. We've got a. Uh, God. Uh, Samuels? Samuels, okay. I was going to say, I was like, who is this man? <laughs> who is this Who man is this? <laughs> yeah, Moon Knight aficionado here, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> Answering the phone for the Grant Re- residence. We're seeing mm-hmm. someone dropping a special package to Mark Vector. Obviously, Samuels is uh, very confused because who wants to drop anything off to the reclusive Mr. Spectre? Yeah, and there's also, I mean, I find it so dodgy already, like, you've got Stephen Grant, and yeah, Mark Spector's mail just goes to Stephen Grant's residence, you know, so we're not we're not meant to think <laughs> yeah. that there, it's a, it's a bit dodgy, isn't it, but oh yeah, yeah, he, he gets his mail at, at, at Mr. Grant's <laughs> residence, so just drop it off. So yeah, Samuels is, is a bit uh, concerned, or a bit perplexed at what's happening, and then we get the main... The usual first page, kind of splash page, of Moon Knight dropping in from the sky. Yeah, I mean, it's a fantastic 
Flash page, but the first time I saw this, I loved just the flop-in and these two <laughs> men here just freaking out over this drop from the sky. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the, the, the background's quite nice as well. The buildings are well drawn out. That is... At, yeah. Yeah. Okay, yes. It's just a great... <laughs> Oh, that was a good point, yes. <laughs> oh, I mean, just we were talking about the, the backgrounds uh, to Smallwoods, but this is quite good as well. And I was thinking at this first page, it was funny. Like, if you did not know Moon Knight at all, and you got this Moon Knight bubble going, time to say goodnight to Moon Knight, and good evening to Stephen Grant via Jake Lockley, you'd be going, what the hell does that mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, but we know it's his personality. So, um, so basically, Moon Knight goes, and again... A little dodgy here. He rushes to a cab I in full costume. This. Yeah, he just opens the boot. He gets changed. Look, and it's not as quick as that. How long would it take to get out of your costume oh. and into new? It'd take what? Five? At least even like a minute. At least at least a minute if you're quick. Say five. So he's five. He's like five minutes. He's getting changed at the back of a cab to what looks like it's still open in the street, right? It's not in the yeah. not in an alleyway. So anyway, so he gets changed and he zooms off in the cab. And, uh, again, I mean, look, this is just the sign of the times. I do really like this issue, but uh, I do laugh a little at some of it. <laughs> um, so, anyway, Mark Spector drives up to the Grant Mansion, and uh, and poor Samuels, and this is a, rec- a recurring thing, he's confused, he doesn't know what to call this guy. The guy comes out of the cab going, oh, good evening, Mr. Lockley, there's, uh... rightly so. And then Mark goes, no, no, I'm not Lockley your silly person yeah. he goes oh, I'm Stephen Grant although I might be dressed as Lockley oh okay sorry so Mr. Grant so everything and he, and he wants to tell him about about this package but Mark is not having a bar of it at all I, I think actually this um, issue is pretty interesting that I, I feel like almost there's almost an unsurety in, in the quality between this and what we saw in even the first issue and the later issues of Volume 1, you know, mm-hmm. just how much he came to grips more with the character in Issue 1 and Volume 1 because, yeah, he, you know, he almost doesn't all that um, much, all that smoothly use the jump in between um, identities. But in the yeah. in the main comic, it wasn't almost a sort of joking of, oh, I'm Stephen Grant now. It was very much sort of confusion by everyone and even yeah. Spectre, yeah. luckily, Grant himself. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a lot of confusion here, and and he actually he admits it later on as well. Uh, so I think yeah, I think Monch is really kind of still formulating it. I think himself, uh, and it definitely does get better um, once the ongoing series hits. So um, so yeah, so Mark or or, or Stephen Grant storms off. Samuel's is trying to tell him that uh, he's got something, but Mark's or sorry, Stephen says, "What's for dinner? Ah, oh, Alaskan crab. Sounds great." Don't forget the butter sauce. And Samuels can only say yes, sir, and he can't get a word in edgewise. Then we get to a very uh, specific shower scene where we become <laughs> a common motif in this issue that is a very underdressed version of Marlene. Oh gosh, I think she's. I think it's a common thread throughout the whole, <laughs> the whole of all the volumes. Poor Marlene. She's. Uh, uh, yeah, she's. Well, you know, she's. She's there to to comfort Mark, um, but uh, yeah, he gets out of his garb and someone jumps out of the pool, and it's uh, it's Marlene in her in her birthday suit. 
and covered uh, by bubbles and streaks of water. Real and streaks of water. Yes, exactly. Yeah, very, very uh, appropriately well, placed. Little bubbles there. <laughs> um, but there's then there's just a lot of flirting. It just seems to be just constant flirting between these two. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, Samuel's jumps in. Um, and what I love here <laughs> in the bottom left, um, Samuel's is is quite. Um, quite embarrassed at seeing Marlene naked and she goes oh knock it off Samuel Samuels you've seen my squeaky velvet before <laughs> and I was like what is, <laughs> I mean, what is a squeaky velvet <laughs> what are you talking about Marlene <laughs> so uh, it's yeah definitely very playful uh, a bit cheeky um Right, let's uh, do some googling about squeaky velvet. <laughs> I don't, I, you know, it might be from the mind of of Doug Munch, but uh, yeah, uh, just a little. So far, I've got uh, ants, velvet ants. <laughs> yeah, I doubt she's talking about ants. <laughs> uh, and even the last panel of this uh, page, it seems her butt is covered by a word bubble. So everything is is done tastefully, although there's a lot of innuendo, shall we say. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to say it stops there, but <laughs> nah, nah, it it just keeps on going. So, uh, and we'll see later on in this issue. So anyway, they they rush because Samuel's finally gets to tell them that there's a, a delivery that's left in what looks like the garage, uh, and it has some French writing on it. Um, and I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce that unless you want to give it a go, Connor. Uh, no. <laughs> No. no, okay. <laughs> yeah, the issue, please flick through. Yes, Otherwise, yes. Otherwise, your Manny Pullard Exxon <laughs> is all yours. Is all yours, yeah. We'll just have to um, refer to Frenchie here. Um, although he doesn't actually... He doesn't actually translate it. I think Mark does. But anyway, there's a little bit of a background. You can see a bit of the Mooncopter there, see? Um, and that's definitely an older, older version uh, of the Mooncopter. So Frenchie's repairing that. And then he's, you know, he's he seems to be the lucky to Mark. So he's the one checking out what's in the box. And there's a bit of an odour. So they're going, okay, well, let's open it. Um, so they crack it open, and it is not only a box. It is basically a coffin. So there's a dead body there, quite gruesome. Uh, the, the face has been bashed, it, it seems. Uh, and anyway, so they're kind of wondering, who would send us a dead body? And no one really has a good answer. Well, no, no one. <laughs> that's true. Oh, just actually a little point here, Connor. Further to your previous point. So on the next page, when Mark goes into his, well, actually, what happens is Mark re- recognizes the body as that of Amos Lardner. So Mark, you know, through the the blood and the and the beating, recognizes the face and goes, "Oh my gosh, it's it's Amos Lardner." And I I used to work in an agency with him. So Mark goes on to a history about him and uh, and Amos. And this was the thing I was about to say, Connor. Um, the face here of Mark Spector, I do believe, I can't confirm it, but that looks very much like Bill Shenkovich. Oh. I reckon he's done it as well. Well, he's done it first. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, sorry, of course. Uh, Shenkovich and actually Tom Palmer, apparently. Oh, okay. Oh, well, that might be Tom, <laughs> might be Tom Palmer then. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so he talks about his relationship with Amos. Basically, uh, they were good buddies at this agency until one night Amos said, look, I need a trip to Montreal to Ravencrag, which is a 
a mental asylum, a recurring theme. Yeah, all asylums um, can you, here yeah. tonight. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and he says, well, could you just give me a lift up there, um, which Mark does. Uh, he says goodbye to Amos, and that's the last he basically saw of him. And then Mark talks about Amos did have a brother, um, and he was called... Uh, boom, 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 James. James Lardner. <laughs> Amos so to James. Weird parents. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, and James was a bit more of a hothead, but uh, there's not much, not much to know about him other than he was a, a bit more, a bit more tough or tougher than his brother Amos. So as Mark finishes his story, there? bit of a foreshadowing, a nice little, uh, yeah, a nice little tidbit to get in there, so the readers uh, can latch onto that and remember actually, it when we see him later on. Yeah, actually, I was just going to say, this, uh, this is um, actually some of my favourite parts of this issue. I loved what um, Munch actually did later in his volume, one of uh, the callback to his days in the mercenary and how it affects the present. It's, uh, it's a lot of fun, yeah. and especially this part. And uh, just to call up on the art a bit, I love how this flashback is filled with almost newspaper, newspaper clippings cut out and rough edges and glued to a yeah, page. Yeah, good point, almost. actually. Uh, yeah, definitely. There's a, a bit more of a, a subtle use of the, the panels there and and uh, a bit yeah rougher lines to, to kind of show that it is a, a memory and it is a flashback. So, that, yeah, no, great point. Um, and timely. So, as, as uh, Mark finishes his story, as you do, someone drives up to the mansion, as you do, and shoots a bazooka, uh, <laughs> which... Uh, basically blows up part of the mansion. Uh, and I like it here as well. Uh, so Frenchie's going, the front of the mansion, Mark, an incendiary grenade. And Mark goes, yeah, there goes the crab. <laughs> <laughs> so I reckon, if you look at that, and I forgot to mention the very first or the second page, Mark says, uh, as he jumps down from the sky, at least not in this neighbourhood, and I'm starved. I reckon Mark is a little hangry. Yeah. Does he even get to eat throughout this issue? Is maybe the entirety of this issue fueled by his hangriness? I think so as well. He's he just lost his Alaskan crab. And, uh, and butter sauce. And butter sauce. Uh, you know, he had to add a little flirtation with, with Marlene, but, you know, that's not going to fill his belly. And uh, anyway, so the, the, mansion, <laughs> the mansion gets blown up. And what does Mark do? Uh, where does he go? He says, put out the fire, Samuels. Because it's as easy as that, isn't it? <laughs> you know? I feel bad you know? for everyone this issue. He ignores Frenchie and Samuels. He does. Oh. He does. Yeah, I, I know what you're talking about, about him ignoring Frenchie, right? It's on the next page. Did you it's, pick up this as well? It's very, it's very hangry behaviour. It is very hangry behaviour because he goes, okay, look. Um, he goes, Marlene... Just, just look up Operation Cobra. I reckon that's what it, that's what it is. Uh, he's got to go with Frenchie, and he basically goes in the mooncopter with Frenchie, and he says, and I quote here, only that it's an institution, Frenchie, which is a polite way of saying it's an insane asylum. But what it really is is a company front. Wake me when we get there. Yeah, nothing. So, what is Frenchie getting here? Yeah, Justice so Mark. Frenchie. Yeah, so Frenchie just goes, we Mark, pleasant dreams. So it says hours later. So Mark is asleep while French is just driving the stick here. That that's a bit rude, isn't it? Why do we like this here? That's it. That's, in the podcast. <laughs> that's it. We're kind of I'm kind of questioning it now. <laughs> but anyway, um, look, I'm I'm going to put it down to his hangriness. So uh, <laughs> so, so so hours later, um, they finally arrived to Ravencrag, which I thought this mooncopter was fast, but anyway, it must be far away. So French. This was the upgrade between her. Uh, 
this issue and the first issue of Volume One. Oh yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's right. This was the upgrade. Was, so you'd want to expect that the other one is a lot faster. <laughs> so um, yeah, so he drops Frenchie. Oh, Frenchie drops Mark um, down onto the asylum and. Connor, there's what I was referring to actually from last episode, the cape being like a crescent yeah, moon. Yeah, it's, it's very cool actually. I mean, mm. I almost prefer if they kept the, you know, that kind of cool idea of it being practical, but this issue uses it pretty well. It's quite cool seeing that crescent moon fall down. Yeah, it's very cool, and uh, I'm pretty sure this is Shinkovich. Um, really nice art as he he um, he uses the crescent dart to, to get in. Uh, he's turned off. Uh, they what you'll see down later at the track as well is that he talks about his inbuilt cal mic which he uses as constant um communication with frenchy anyway so he he breaks in um and then he gets um taken basically um someone surprises him from behind and it turns out to be a a lunatic (laughs) which again raises a question why are they out of their why are they out of their cells yeah this is kind of just like a uh, just a room on a window yeah, maybe it's a kind of a freestyle, free range, asylum free range asylum, free range, yeah, free range. <laughs> that was it, where they get to kind of roam around. Maybe that's more kind of their thing. Um, and as Moon Knight gets uh, nearly overwhelmed, uh, he bumps into a masked figure with what looks to be a a bomb. Yeah, classic. Classic bomb. They have a bit of a tussle, uh, and look. The guy, does, uh, the, the guy does say, let go of me, the time is set for only five minutes. So the next page of them fighting is a good five minutes of fighting, right? Yeah. Because Mark goes all the way down to the wire, and he manages to stop it just before it goes. So that's a lot of fighting. Five minutes, yeah. you think about it. Uh, yeah, not, not badly tight. condensed, I say, by Shinkovich. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, true, true. Um, I, I guess we yeah definitely give them that. Um, so... The the villain, we still don't know who it is, is running away, and Mark makes comment of how how strong and how fast this person is. It doesn't phase him, though, so he crashes through and catches up with him, uh, tackles him, uh, but the guy gets away by throwing a gas bomb at Mark. Well, I'm sorry, Moon Knight. Yeah, I mean, Moon Knight probably should have saw it coming. He's, he's not on his game tonight. <laughs> no, no, he's a bit, yeah, uh, he's probably a bit gung-ho. So so Frenchy comes around and uh, helps him out. Um, and I think they go, they, they basically go home at dawn. Uh, and Mark returns later on to speak to, uh, who was it, uh, Hanson? The owner. Um, to, the owner of Ravencrag, yeah. My, my favourite person with a... Uh Discussion about what is now a it used to be a company front, but it's a fully legitimate institution. Where he admits <laughs> that he had a little trouble last night, a broken window, and inmates yep. inmates had cobbled together a time bomb. A little trouble. <laughs> a little trouble. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like maybe maybe it is a little trouble. Maybe a lot of trouble involves <laughs> I don't know uh, a full riot, uh, a full revolution. But this guy. Not too phased. He's he's kind of keeping it cool, smoking his cigar. Free range asylum, uh, and Mark basically teases out of him. Um, well, he knows that the company uh, has been doing mind control experiments, so hypnosis, drugs, um, and he makes mention 
and this is a common thread I think around this time as well, it ties into the Hulk, about the use of Ooh. adrenaline and how people who uh, are hyped up on adrenaline are known to have um, enhanced strength. So uh, Mark takes this all in, um, but he's not really happy with his meeting with Hanson, basically. He's saying that there's something, something funny going on. Um, and then, and then we get, where do we cut yep, to next? Uh, we cut to the Grant Mansion with Marlene. She has a bit more information on what's happening. Um, a very common thread we'll see that uh, actually out of everything, Marlene becomes a deus ex machina for... Uh, she does, doesn't she? She she really... I mean, Mark really can't function without her. Uh, it's, it's um, Yeah, so... That's pretty cool. I'm just having a look here. They're repairing the mansion. Um, and we're up towards the end of of uh, part one of this. With uh, the repair guy? Yeah, home repair guy. Um, Mark's saying that uh, basically, Marlene, you can't come with me to Paris. Um, just stay there and let me do my job. Uh, I don't think Marlene really takes kindly to that. <laughs> so... Um, so I think she's looking for a flight to Paris. Yeah, and then he arrives in a weird-looking jet. I'm not sure. Maybe that's more that's common. A, yeah, I think that's, I think that's a. I think that's a Concorde. I'm not too sure on my my planes, but I remember when I was young as well. Um, the the little dippy nose. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I don't know how common it was, but. Anyway, so I think it was meant to be a fast plane. So they land in Paris. And before we get off the first page, Marlene's taking her top off. Yeah, look, so. we had at least <laughs> one page before this clothes. We'll take what we Clo- can get. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So Marlene's happy to uh, happy to be in Paris. She, she surprises Mark. Um, he's not too happy about it, but they go to the Hotel Regina, uh, and she wants to take her kid off. Um, so Mark says, you know, you can do that. (laughs) I'm doing something else. Um, And what he does is he dresses up as Moon Knight and he pays a visit to a fella. LeBlanc. Is that his his name? LeBlanc. Yeah. And again, another great little line here. Operation Cobra and Amos Lardner talk. Talk, LeBlanc, or I'll rip your fat face off. I think that's a really cool threat. You know, nothing like getting your fat face ripped off. Yeah, no, I mean... I don't think there's anything more he could have said there. <laughs> that's true. That's true. I mean, like, he could have gone into more detail. Uh, but anyway, LeBlanc, uh, under pressure, uh, reveals a bit more of the mind control experiments that seem to be happening. And we get a picture of uh, a profile of a face or a head with what looks like to be some some nodes inserted in there, electro- electrodes in there. Um, so Moon Knight just basically pushes him a bit more. Uh, before he's actually interrupted by someone with a machine gun. Classic. They come, yeah, they come storming in, uh, and it turns out to be none other than James Lardner, who we were dun, introduced dun, dun. briefly before, yes, as the brother of Amos. So he doesn't know that Mark is Moon Knight, um, and he's still blaming Mark Spector. Um, that's for his why, brother's death. For his brother's death, hence the bazooka at the, at the mansion. Um, but Mark's uh, Moon Knight's going. No, no, it's not. Uh, it's not true. Uh, and they have a bit of a scuffle. Pretty cool moves there by Moon Knight. Uh, yeah, I mean, what? this is actually a pretty a, a 
Shinkovich is a, it was a great artist for the time, and I think his art still really holds up. Oh yeah, great. Uh, again, one of our loonies, Paul. He he's a big Shinkovich fan, uh, and I'd have to agree. He's a really good artist. Um, so anyway, so James runs off. I think Moon Knight is uh, somehow. Oh, he's somehow distracted by by LeBlanc, uh, and the guy runs off. In which case, again, Moon Knight can't catch up, but we see none other than Marlene um, with a car to save him or to help him. So, so thankfully she's there, and with the Eiffel Tower in the background, they give chase through the streets of Paris. Um, <laughs> Did they? Well, sorry. Did, oh yeah, they flew into Paris. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So they I think that's meant to be shown by these provincial-looking people. There's a guy here carrying a baguette. <laughs> so yeah, so, look, uh, I don't think um, Munch was ever very kind to the French. You know, he has the very stereotype <laughs> talking of Frenchy and yeah, Frenchy's yeah. name being yes. Frenchy, and the other French guy being called LeBlanc. <laughs> I mean, you can't get any more French than that. Anyway. Um, they take a, they have a car chase, uh, and unfortunately it doesn't end well. A bit of a car crash. Uh, Mark, oh sorry, again, Moon Knight, is knocked unconscious, same with Marlene. Uh, and they're both taken away to separate areas. As Moon Knight is, uh, regains consciousness, he finds himself in a, a weird room uh, under uh, some drugs of some description. And they're trying to ask him, uh, trying to ask uh, him who he is. And I think he kind of spins him out a bit by saying three different, three different <laughs> identities. So he's telling the truth, but it's um, it's just baffling them. Anyway, uh, he gets a vision of Marlene and his love for Marlene and her naked body. It, it seems <laughs> um, has him in a, in a fury. So he snaps his bonds and he uh, proceeds to knock the guys unconscious. Uh, he stumbles through a conservatory. Uh, it, in which case he actually he finds uh, Marlene. Actually, she's been tied up uh, by this other figure. Uh, he saves her, and he basically he jumps out uh, and with guns shooting, uh, he and Marlene run for their lives. But none other than Frenchie saves ah, them yes. with uh, what is a very Moon Knight thing, uh, uh, a ladder. Um, from the yeah, hanging on to the ladder, gun shooting. Yeah, it's, a, it's such a Moon Knight. It must be from his mercenary days, but they keep that motif running throughout the whole of Moon Knight. So Frenchie there with his hat, um, he manages to swing them out and up to safety. And the big plot twist of this issue, which I didn't actually see coming, it was uh, pretty cool at the time to come to the realisation that LeBlanc had actually been flying to a good pal Moon Knight mm. had gone ahead with this Cobra experiment he had called Theoretical. Yes, and uh, in that car crash um, where James Lardner was knocked unconscious as well, it seems that he was retrieved by LeBlanc and he's being used on uh, the experiment, uh, now calling him Cobra and having the electrodes sticking out of his head. So here's a, a bit of an exposition um, in one page on the next on uh, the next page showing basically what this whole thing means. And basically LeBlanc has a remote control and he can manipulate the emotions of Cobra. 
aka James Lardner. So he can go from sorrow to rage to amusement uh, at a at a press of a button. Um, Pretty cool facial work. Yeah, yeah actually, no, the, um, the sorrow is no. kind of reminiscent of that classic uh, drama mask. Ah, yes, yeah. And the colours are really good as well. Like, obviously, the rage has the red um, and a lot more darker um, fill to the panel. Um, but yeah, we basically get sorrow and rage. Amusement, I don't think we see. Um, unless you call that one in the middle, amusement. Uh, it's, a <laughs> more, it's a bit more manic. <laughs> uh, but also, as well, the most important thing that LeBlanc says is that with this manipulation of the brain, we can stimulate the brain... Um, basically I guess releasing a lot more adrenaline um, and hence giving him the power of 10 normal men so he's a bit of a strong dude just a bit just a bit no, <laughs> that common thread you picked up before yes oh yes um, which one was that sorry uh, about the adrenaline coming back did you say oh, that yes. was important in uh, Hulk magazine yeah. yeah it was in Hulk and it was actually in the um, the Hulk TV show um, there was oh. a big em- yeah a big emphasis back in that day of you know of adrenaline and how that actually stimulates strength. So, I think it was a, it was kind of like a, a thing, a, a zeitgeist. Uh, it was a thing of the time that they were quite interested in. Um, so we go back to Mark. He, he and Marlene are back at Hotel Regina, um, saved by Frenchie, uh, and it looks like, well, what happens? He just goes. Well, basically, they, they figure out to go to um, LeBlanc's estate, I guess, to um, to stop the manipulation. Yeah, he just tells everyone to buckle in and get things done. Yeah, so he just basically wakes up and goes, come on, we're, we're back at it again. Um, so two hours later, they go to the Tatim Museum at Cosa Le Vivienne. Whatever that is, hopefully that's real. I'm um, sorry. Apologies to the French. Uh, and Mark drops down again, crescent-like. And this bottom page, I I love this one actually. Um, Gorgeous. It's got again the crescent moon. Yeah, but he's on an angle, so uh, he kind of he's got his shoulder dipped. Um, but it's a great effect, and he's looking onto it looks like dusk uh, and some water. So anyway, he drops in on Lardner, who's wearing a hat to cover the electrodes. She <laughs> um, doesn't notice. I'm not sure how. Looking at this, yeah, yeah, exactly. It looks like he's got a he's got a piece of reinforced steel through his head. But anyway, so Mark jumps down and and tries to reason with him. But at a press of a button, Lardner goes crazy, starts fighting with Mark. Um, so Mark says his hat came off his came off and his head. Um, that operating room, it wasn't a hallucination. So he, he sees Lardner is not normal, uh, and he continues to fight him. While a couple of lackeys, uh, I can't remember their names, but they they bring their guns just in case. Uh, a Jen- uh, Jenkins and Crane come in to just make sure that Moon Knight is finished. But they don't see Frenchie and Marlene, so they get in on the, on the, um, on the action, and I see Frenchie just out-and-out shoots Crane. Yeah, no, he's fine. Just give yeah. him a shot. Yeah, he's a mercenary, I guess, so there's no punches pulled here. Uh, Frenchie and Moon Knight, no compunction to, you know, um, to not kill. And then, uh, and then my yep. favourite part of this issue, this gorgeous double-page spread of a fight in the water between um, Moon Knight and Lardner, and then Marlene, Frenchie, and one of the lackeys. 
Yeah, it's great. Under the open uh, uh, open night sky, and you've got the full moon there, uh, and there are just some uh, ornaments, I think. It's uh, some, some kind of... Uh, I don't know, just a, a garden with a with a lake. Uh, so they're just they're just fighting it out. Um, and Moon Knight makes mention that even his truncheon has no effect uh, on this guy. He doesn't feel any pain. It seems Marlene seems to be doing better than than Mark. <laughs> um, she's really kicking ass. Uh, as Mark's fighting Lardner, he sees LeBlanc, and he's got good eyesight because he makes out something in LeBlanc's hand and he throws a truncheon at it and subsequently destroys the remote control. Yeah, look, this remote control is pretty rubbish. I mean, (laughs) when you look at it, uh, this is this incredible electrode adrenaline and he's got to follow, like, just what would even be 100 metres or something behind this guy to keep up. So Moon Knight just gets that incredible aim, hits the box and he's gone. Yeah, well, it is noted he's a bit of a marksman, so uh, he must know exactly what he's doing. He he, he smashes the remote control, and that's uh, f- damaged further still when LeBlanc, in a panic, running away from Lardner, uh, steps on it. So that's totally gone. Uh, he gets in the car, but he wants to run Lardner over. Um, and Moon Knight sees this, and he throws his patented crescent dart, and he flattens one of the tyre. The tyre bursts, and the car hits a tree. Um, so Lardner goes up to it, and he's still mad as hell. He's Unable trying to, get to control to him, control his thoughts or self. Exactly, and and you see him lift the car, so he's still kind of way beyond his his um, normal self. Uh, but again, for some reason, if a car hits a tree, it's going to explode. So yeah, well, <laughs> and it it surely does with Lardner and LeBlanc. Uh, seemingly um, killed in the in the accident. So Moon Knight, Frenchie, and Marlene um, kind of wrap things up pretty well there. Th- th- there's nothing much they can do. I mean, I guess the the head villains have have died. So nothing but to clean up the mess, and uh, we're left with the epilogue. Yeah, that we get a cheeky little send back of a um. Spectre sending a coffin full of someone's dead yeah. body to the company that um, was <laughs> using Lardner. Yeah, what did you make of this? Like, what was in there? I don't know. I, I was, I'm thinking a body, and you read yeah. the page, and it may yeah. not be a body because everyone blew up. That, that's what I think, though, but that's pretty sick. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's pretty. That, that's a pretty bad thing to do, right? Yeah, and especially if it's, like, fish from a burning car wreck and you just carried the body home. Yeah, and to, like, put it, you know, neatly in a coffin and then send it. Um, yeah, anyway, that is what it is. Uh, and, look, it was a fun read as well. Uh, and it ends with, sorry, I should say, the last panel ends with a topless Mylene again. So, oh, yeah. loony listeners, yeah, <laughs> loony listeners have a little look there. Um, but, yeah, uh, that's the end of that. Basically, it's a one-shot, isn't it? Yeah, and I mean, we have a lot of fun with this year. We pull a, pull a lot of punches here, but... Yeah. It's a, it, yeah. It, it's, it's a fun little issue that really sets up quite nicely what's going into the um, Munchron we see with Volume 1 that we'll be raving about, no doubt, in future episodes. Yeah, I mean, look, we can be, we can be flippant, uh, only because, obviously, you know, things kind of date. Uh, it's still... <laughs> by, 
yeah, by no means am I saying it's terrible uh, making, by making fun of it. I think it's a lot of fun. Um, oh, but, yeah. yeah, we can have a bit of a laugh because, uh, yeah, you know, sign of the times, basically. Um, now, Connor, I, I know we haven't discussed this, but I'm thinking uh, there's a backup story with the Shroud. How about we can leave that for another time? Is that is that? Yeah. Good? Well, um, is the Shroud a Moon Knight villain? I can't remember him. I, yeah, I... I don't think so. I think this might have been one of those instances where it's like, let's put in another character as an intro, because I think you've seen, there's a there's an intro to him as well. Like there's Yeah, well, this is like him. another premiere thing where they just set up, um, yeah. you know, uh, heroes and stuff, because he would become a hero, apparently, for the Heroes for Hire, eventually. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know if he has any, like direct connection i think it's just a matter of um it is a marvel preview so it's i think it's too distinct um, yeah well <laughs> when you messaged me asking if we were doing it on the uh pod i was mm-hmm. uh, only just started reading it so i was like oh yeah this is moon knight and then you know i started <laughs> reading it and we're three pages in no moon knight i'm like oh this is a nice setup for a villain i got yeah. i think i must have been halfway through this issue <laughs> oh, really? before i realized that oh Moon Knight's not coming, is he? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would have been a, a oh, that would have been terrible. Like, you'd, be, you'd be waiting forever. He's yeah. not there. I yeah. mean, w- yeah, we we'll are probably looking at the time. We probably won't cover it, but it, it's a it's a fun issue and it's a Ditko art, which is gorgeous. Like the line work and the attention mm. to detail. It, it was probably one of my favorite artists of that generation. Yeah, we were Either. talking about that. We were saying just. Um, yeah, how good the Dicko art was. I haven't seen much of it, but I do do like it. And admittedly, of course, you know, I know he had a big part to do with, with Spider-Man, but I actually admittedly haven't read or looked at much of his artwork. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's a nice classic style. Uh, I just want to point out that uh, this issue was written by... The Shroud yes. issue was written by um, by Grunewald and Stephen Grant. Ah, just Stephen a, Grant. Someone, uh, <laughs> a, an actual comic book writer. But, and yep, quite a nice little tie Ah, perfect, perfect. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure that's his real name. Like, it just must be just... A, I wonder if... I wonder if uh, Doug Monchen, um Sorry, is that Doug? Yeah, Doug Monch and... Uh, are they both Dougs? And Doug Perlin. Don Perlin. I think Don Perlin. Ah, oh, yeah. I think... I wonder if they both knew this Stephen Grant and said, Hey, we're going to name you... Um, yeah, one of the personalities. Well, he's well known for his um, defenders. Um, yeah, Spider-Man, Incredible Hulk, Punisher. Right. He's done a bit. Yeah. Oh well. Oh, we might have to might have to give that a bit of a read. I think. Um, okay. Well, I think that will probably that will probably do us. Uh, yeah. Another uh, another quite a chunk of episode this week. Yeah, another chunky episode, but we got through two uh, two distinct distinctly different issues uh next week connor what do we have uh next week we have the second of our um lemire incredible lemire run but we will for a nice little tie-in to the defenders coming out next week on tuesday we will be doing Mm -hmm. one of the uh classic um crossovers uh well not really crossovers but one of marvel's team-up books yeah that is let me, oh, I've totally forgot the number. Oh, that's alright, it's uh, Marvel Team-Up Annual Number 4. Number 4. So, yeah, so that will have, uh, it's on the front cover as well, it's a, it's a, quite a nice cover. It's got Purple Man as the main villain, but it has none other than Luke Cage, Iron Fist, Daredevil, I think in there. No Jessica Jones, she wasn't invented yet, 
But basically, you have the Netflix Defenders there. So that should be fun. Yeah, no, I'm really looking forward to that. And um, we've been a bit light on news lately, but we've got some fun stuff co- um, coming up. We want to have a look at the... In later episodes, we want to have a look in the uh, new Moon Knight figure out. We've got uh, mm-hmm. the Ultimate Spider-Man TV show, Moon Knight. Episode yeah, to for cover. sure. I really want to cover that one. That's pretty and, good. Uh, we could always do a separate episode if fans want us to do a Defenders review. Oh, in yeah. maybe. Yeah. Totally up for that as well. Although there are, I must um, must give a little plug, uh, a couple of really good Defenders yes. podcasts out there at the moment. There's one called Defenders TV Podcast. It's hosted by three awesome guys from from Ireland and England, uh, Derek, John, and Chris. They have been going for a couple of years now, and they've, they started basically with Daredevil Season 1, and they've gone every episode plus all the MCU films. Uh, and other TV shows, except for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So they've done a, a mountain of work, fantastic reviews for each episode. Uh, the second one is also Defenders Podcast, I believe, and that's run by Claire and her team, and that's a real fun kind of conversation, um, and she also has a lot of really good interviews um, with yeah. actors yeah, and writers of the of the Netflix show, so that's great. Yeah, so let it be known if you want us to review Defenders, uh, it won't be that good. But, but we'll, we'll <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll give it a go. Um, any more shout outs there, Connor? Uh, I'd like to give a few to a couple of podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, one of our good friends, uh, Daniel, mm-hmm. with his, uh, oh look, totally blanking, Gig Street. Yep, Geek Street Podcast. Yeah, okay, uh, I thought that was another word, just Geek Street Podcast. Look them up mm-hmm. there, crazy cool little really duo. Good. Yeah, they they talk about anything comics and movies as well. Um, but yeah, a lot of fun. Last episode, I think they did um, they did sequels and reboots, which were really yeah, cool. Yeah, latest episode was only a few days ago, so it's a great episode to jump on. A lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's our Twitter handle at Geek Street Pod, uh, and also uh, there's also our good friends at Signal of Doom, uh, David and Stuart. Um, always a lot of fun, massive, massive podcasts there, uh, but they cover everything, even conventions. They did San Diego Comic Con as well, which was really cool. Yeah, and they've both given shout-outs to the uh, to the Facebook group back when it was called Fist of Concha. I'm sure even a yes. few of the members on there came from those guys' recommendations, so sharing the love around with our Aussie podcast, definitely check out both of them. Signal yeah, definitely. Zoom and Geek Street Podcast. Yeah, definitely. Thanks uh, to those guys for, for mentioning us. And finally, um, uh, there are a couple of Instagram, actually, accounts that I want to talk about. Moon Knight Life, uh, and the other one's called Miscellaneous Crap, or just Misc Crap. Um, and this was given to me by Paul, again, our, our fellow loony um, on the Facebook group. Uh, and there's a lot of uh, Moon Knight images there, a lot of great Moon Knight artwork, so check it out on Instagram. Yeah, and you can find us online. We are on iTunes, Stitcher, mm-hmm. SoundCloud. We've got a uh, Podbean, Overcast. We get we're getting around the place. Yeah, yeah, we're spreading the love. We uh, you can find us on uh, www.intothenightpodcast.wordpress.com. Email us moonnightpodcast at gmail.com. Facebook, uh, our group is called Into the Night and Moon Knight Fanbase, and our Twitter handle is at itk moon knight. Fantastic. Well, Connor, our first episode done and dusted. How's that? 
not bad. I think uh, we got another another sizable chunk for you all, but yeah, no stopping this train. I don't think. Exactly, exactly. Thank you so much for listening to us. Uh, we'll be sure to catch you next week for issue two and any latest news. Yeah, hopefully some. Till then, we'll catch you and uh, may Conchu look after the denizens of the night. Goodbye. Gotcha, thanks. See ya. Moon Knight and affiliated characters, stories and events are properties of Marvel Characters Incorporated. Materials used and discussed within the podcast are intended for critique and review purposes only under the fair dealing concept of the current Copyright Act. The views, information or opinions expressed during the podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of the copyright owners.